Shut up and sit down. Hey there and welcome to the Third Period Podcast, the show that takes you around the UK ice hockey leagues. Sponsored by Nuola for all your custom sportswear needs. Hello and welcome back to the Third Period Podcast. I'm Ash and with me tonight we have Danny, Ross and Scott and also a very special guest. He doesn't really need an introduction because he's a seven-time NHL All-Star, an Olympic gold medalist and a Stanley Cup winner. We've all seen him play on British shores and be the best player in the league by a country mile. We welcome Theo Fleury. Hello Theo, thanks for taking the time to join us. How are you today? I'm good. It's it's snowing here, so... (laughs) It's hockey, no. hockey weather. <laughs> Brilliant. We've got a bit of rain where we are, but that's just British weather in a nutshell, yes. really. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. I'll, um, I'm going to throw across to Danny now for his favourite part of the episodes. Hi, Theo. Thank you for joining us. So um, we always get the cliche question out of the way just because we like to start on a good one. Um, where did it all start with ice hockey for yourself? <laughs> Well, it was a small town, Canada, and I was five years old and uh, went down to the rink, put on a pair of skates, and uh, you know, never really looked back from you know from that moment on. You know, uh, hockey hockey's like religion in Canada, and so at some point, uh, I believe that every kid, you know, will put on a pair of skates and. And uh, fall in love with uh, with with the great game of hockey, and uh, you know that that's that's what happened for me. And uh, you know, I, I knew pretty much from day one that uh, what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be. And uh, you know, I spent the majority of my childhood uh, pursuing you know that dream of like every every kid in Canada, you know, pursues that dream that maybe someday. You know, I can play in the NHL. What a dream it is to have. So I'll throw you over to Scott now. He's got a very good question for you. So, uh, Theo, you've always had the mantle of being a, a feisty player, the uh, punch-up in Piazzi, otherwise known as the 1987 World Junior Championships. <laughs> you score the first yeah. goal of the game and mimic a firing machine gun to the stick to the Soviet Union bench. It's uh, It's an iconic moment. Which caused a line brawl, uh, benches clearing, leading to both teams being ejected from the tournament. Uh, talk us through that, and if you had the time again, would you still do the same celebration? <laughs> uh, I would definitely do the same thing for sure. Um, you know, uh, at that time, the Russians were our biggest rivalry, and uh. You know, it was kind of a unique situation that uh, it was the last game of the tournament. Uh, The Russians were going to finish in sixth place, which was their, at that time, their worst finish ever at a World Junior Tournament. Um, We had an opportunity to win the gold medal. We had to win by four goals on that particular night. And and so the game was, you know, really chippy, kind of dirty, 
And, uh, you know, when you get 40 kids, you know, 19 and under full of testosterone. Yeah. Uh, you know, something, something like that, uh, was going to happen, but, uh, and what a lot of people don't understand is back home in junior, that was happening every night. So there yeah. was either a line brawl or a bench clearing brawl. And, uh, and, uh, I thought it was kind of funny that the Russians were sort of game to, you know, want to drop the gloves and, and fight yeah. because they got absolutely annihilated by all of us, <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> uh, you know, we're used to fighting and, you know, fighting was a huge part of the game back then. And so, you know, we all knew how to fight and we all know how, knew how to defend ourselves. And, uh, you know, it was an unfortunate incident um, that got us disqualified. But, uh, you know, I think what happened the next year was equally important because we went right into Moscow and we beat the Russians right in their own backyard. And uh, we ended up getting our revenge and winning the gold medal um, in 1988 right in Moscow. Right. And if you're from and if you're familiar with the 1972 series that Canada and Russia played. So it was like the first big sort of international uh, hockey event. We actually played in the same rink that Paul Henderson scored that iconic goal uh, for Canada, which, which, uh, which is, which allowed Canada to, uh, you know, defeat the Russians in that series. And so, you know, it was kind of a cherry on top of the Sunday to, you know, beat the Russians in the same rank that that iconic, you know, 1972 series uh, was played, where we sort of, uh, uh, I know that uh, we were in school when that game was going on, and, you know, they brought in televisions, and, you know, we we basically all watched that, that game. And so it was, uh, it was pretty cool to, you know, to be in, in communist Soviet union competing for, you know, for a gold medal. So it was pretty cool. I think like where we are, when the Olympics are on or any big championships, it actually gets shown on TV. So we all do get involved. It is a great watch. Uh, Ross, pass you over. Yeah, hi, uh, Theo. Um, hey, bud. So we will jump forward a few years. Um, did you expect to reach the heights you did in the NHL after being drafted so late in the eighth round, 166th pick uh, in 1987 by Calgary Flames? You know, did you expect to be drafted at all, especially with the doubts that you might not make it due to not being very tall, like myself? <laughs> well, um, Obviously, that was always, you know, the first thing that people brought up when they were talking about Theo Fleury was size. And, you know, the thing was, is when I looked at myself in the mirror, you know, I didn't look at, some, at somebody who was small. 
you know, I looked at myself as somebody who was incredibly determined and dedicated and uh, highly skillful and, uh, um, and, you know, when it comes to the draft, you know, it doesn't really matter what number you get picked, you know, it's what you do with the opportunity when you get the chance to go, you know, to a training camp. And, uh, I, you know, the first year of, of my eligibility in the draft, I didn't get picked and there was 12 rounds in that draft. And then the following year, I didn't get picked, uh, until the eighth round. So, in those two years, 418 guys got drafted before I did. Okay. Wow. And uh, I actually finished 64th all time in the history of the NHL in scoring. And so, you know, it's not what number you get picked, it's where you finish, obviously. And, uh, you know, um, and, and I went to a great franchise, a great organization. Um, you know, they had a great team. They were big, they were tough, and they were mean. And, uh, you know, when I got to Calgary, they were looking for a guy who could provide some energy and some spark for, you know, the team. You know, I wasn't expected to score goals. You know, I was more of a sort of a role player, which for me at that time was perfect. And, uh, you know, um, it sort of all culminated with us, you know, winning the Stanley cup in, uh, 1989. And so, you know, um, you know, when you're a kid, you know, first and foremost, you dream about playing the NHL. And then secondly, once you get there, you know, then it's about winning Stanley cups. And so, you know, I was able to accomplish both those things and, you know, in my rookie season. So, um, you know, and, and, you know, the game has changed a lot. There are a lot of small players that are getting opportunities, uh, now more than ever. And the game has really become, uh, a more skilled, uh, game with less, um, you know, that, uh, fighting and, uh, you know, those kind of things. And, you know, they took the red line out, you know, when I was playing, there was still a red line in. So, you know, they really sort of geared the game towards, you know, smaller skilled <coughs> players. And so those guys get, get a lot more opportunities than say, uh, you know, I did at the beginning of my career. So. Well, so basically, you know, if you're small, just go, you know, you're no bigger, no smaller than any other guy on the ice, you know, just, follow your dreams and then you become the player like yourself and win, be just basically a born winner. So it's, it's yeah. good. It's great. It's great to hear. Yeah. Lionel, Lionel Messi is not a very big guy and he's had quite of a, a career, hasn't he? So. Just a bit of a career as that guy. Had. <laughs> um, touching on the uh, Stanley cup win slightly um, for us four guys, we win the Stanley cup for play NHL on an Xbox or PlayStation, we're right. going to reach that height. Talk, talk us for the emotions of that. One, playing in the cup, because it's just, to watch it's euphoric, let alone to play in it, and then to actually pick up the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, uh, you know, 
they say it's the hardest trophy to win in sports. And, and, uh, you know, I truly believe that, um, you know, it's, but like I said, you know, I, I went to a, a really incredible situation where, you know, we, uh, that team that I played on could eventually have nine hall of famers, you know, on, on that team. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we had tremendous leadership, uh, tremendous coaching and, uh, you know, it was, it's, you know, it's the ultimate ultimate, you know, in, in the sport you're playing is to win a championship. So, you know, I, I've been in lots of those situations and, uh, um, you know, I think that, um, there is no greater feeling in the world than, you know, being able to, you know, lift that thing. But more importantly, I think now that I'm, you know, 52 years old, and that was almost 30 some years ago, um, you know, every time I see the Stanley Cup and I look for my name on the Stanley Cup, you know, that's pretty uh, amazing thing. And, you know, they can never rub it off and it's, you know, it's there forever. And so, um, um, but I think what, what, what I enjoy the most, and I've always enjoyed the most, was the process of winning, you know, what it takes to, to win. And, uh, you know, once you have that blueprint for success and you, you know, you have that winning, uh, opportunity and then you, you actually fulfill it and win. You know, you have that blueprint for the rest of your life. And to me, that's what probably means more than anything else. And, and, and the experience, you know, the, the whole entire experience, you know, every round, uh, the different ups and downs, the different switches in momentum and, uh, you know, all that. And, you know, you're basically for three months living on adrenaline, you know, um, and, you know, when, when, uh, you know, the hardest part is sitting around waiting to play the next game, you know, because you're, you're so jacked up and you're, you know, you, you, you so want to be playing that, uh, you know, those days in between games are, you know, hard because you want to be out in the ice. You want to be playing instead of waiting around to actually play. But, uh, but yeah, you know, the the there's a lot of guys that played in the NHL that didn't get that didn't win a Stanley Cup. And so, you know, a lot of great players, a lot of guys with great careers who, you know, didn't win the Stanley Cup. And so um <clears throat> so when you get that chance and you get that opportunity, you know, you obviously make the most of it. And so um, like I said, I was very blessed to to play on a team. Uh, like that 89 Stanley Cup team. It was, you know, from top to bottom, uh, we could play any style of game you wanted to play. And, uh, you know, and more importantly, the, the quality of people uh, who surpassed, you know, our skill on the ice. And I think that was a huge part of the reason why we won. We all got along with each other. We all liked each other. We enjoyed playing with each other. And, uh, you know, that went a long ways in, in us uh, you know, winning, the, winning the cup.
that that always helps having that camaraderie. We've we've mentioned that on previous episodes with some of the the Brit lads that we've had. You know, they've not had the best skilled players in the teams, but they've had guys that are always willing to give one hundred and ten percent every game, and they'll win games that they weren't meant to win on paper. But mm-hmm. you know, that again goes to the point of proving the doubters wrong, like in your case. So just to kind of cover off yourself, here, you know. That doubt a situation that we had at the start where people were like, will you make it, won't you make it? You've gone on to prove them pretty much wrong, you know, setting a franchise record for the Flames uh, against the Ducks on the February 19th, 1999, a record that stood for 10 years. You then went obviously over to Rangers, uh, scoring your 400th NHL uh, goal against the Canadians and registering your 1,000th NHL uh, point against the Stars. Reaching the heights that you reached in your time playing in the NHL, would you have First of all, ever thought you would have got to those kind of milestones? Um, and was it something that once you achieved, you then looked on to your next target? Yeah, I, <clears throat> I think at the beginning, you know, I just wanted to be a real solid NHL player. And uh, um, and the thing was, is I just kept I just kept getting better and better, you know, and and uh, um Obviously, I had a lot of uh, God-given talent and ability, and uh, <clears throat> and and like I said, I, I I played with some really amazing players. You know, Doug Gilmore, Joe Newendike, Sergey Makarov. You know, uh, and when you play with good players, you can't help but get better yourself. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, my third year in the NHL, I scored fifty goals. You know, and and then you know, sort of establish myself, you know, as a as a you know full time player and an NHL <coughs> superstar, and uh, and then you know I I just kept improving all aspects of my game, you know, where not only was I a great offensive player, but I came a, became a a decent you know sort of defensive player. I killed penalties and took face-offs, you know, played in the last minute of, of games when we were uh, defending a lead and all that. So, you know, it was, uh, it was a process and, uh, but yeah, it, you know, I just continually got better and better and better. And, uh, and then, you know, just became a real consistent NHL player where, whatever organization I, I went to, they knew exactly, you know, what they were going to get. And, and, uh, you know, 70, 70 to a hundred points every year, you know, 30 to 50 goals every year, you know, so, um, you know, and as a player, you, that's what you want. You want to be consistent. And, and, uh, and so I was able to, you know, to do that. And uh, I think it was the biggest reason why I was able to play, you know, almost 1,100 games. Uh, uh, well, it's actually more than that because if you count the playoff games, you know, I think it's like over 1,100 games. So, uh, you know, and, and for a guy that wasn't expected to play one game in the National Hockey League and then play over 1,100, um, you know, was a great accomplishment. Uh, so, Theo, something you won't be aware of is that uh, Danny was the person who portrayed the Blaze mascot uh, Scorch up until oh, recent okay. reasons okay. for yeah for for reasons are uh, dropping. Um, you've you've run in with a, a couple of masks uh, running with the mascot, haven't you? Um, 
<laughs> breaking the rib of the, of the um, shark key of the San Jose Sharks. Yes. Uh, what, what actually happened from your account? Or was it because of the, your status it was uh, easy to be fodder uh, and accuse, uh, accuse you of it, basically? Yeah. Well, I think the greatest compliment as a hockey player is, and, I, and I've millions of people have come up to me and said, I hated you as a player. And I think that's the greatest compliment you can receive, you know, as an athlete. And, uh, you know, it, it was kind of perfect timing because I got kicked out of the game in San Jose. And Sharky just happened to be, you know, underneath the, the tunnel. And he was standing uh, on the carpet as I was walking back to the dressing room. And uh, he didn't move. Like, he just was standing you know, where I was supposed to be walking. And so, um, you know, I basically just brushed by him. And then all of a sudden this was like blown up into this huge story that I beat the shit out of, uh, you know, Sharky, the mascot, you know? So, um, but, uh, you know, I was always a very intense player. Uh, I love to compete. Uh, and it's the thing that I miss the most now that I'm retired is that physical competition. And, uh, and yeah, so, uh, and, and I find it funny that uh, you guys uh, uh, cheer for Coventry because, uh, you know, when I was in Belfast, you know, Coventry was one of our greatest rivals and, uh, you know, loved you know, going to Coventry and playing because, you know, like I said, uh, I was not very well liked in, uh, in Coventry. <laughs> and so, um, and, uh, but yeah, we, you know, those, those games are fun and, and, you know, that's, that's the reason why, you know, we play is, is to, uh, you know, play against the very best and, and, uh, you know, it was it was a fun rivalry when you know when I was there for sure. I enjoyed it. So obviously, we'll we'll talk about your time in the elite league then, Theo. First of all, I hated you as a player, so I'm sure you appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, thank um, you. How did the how did the deal come about for you to go to Belfast? Because obviously, a couple of years before, you won Olympic gold with a star-studded team, and then mm -hmm. you're, you're playing in in Belfast in in front of yeah. The lovely Coventry fans. So, like, what, <laughs> so how how did this deal come about? So, I was at a golf tournament in Calgary with one of my friends, and you know, he said to me, he said, he said, yeah, I said, I just bought a share of the Belfast Giants, and I was like, was that a football team? You know. <laughs> No, he says it's a hockey team, and uh, you know they play in the British Elite League. And I was I was recently retired, and uh, he said to me, he said, "What are you doing this winter?" And I said, "I don't know, probably nothing." And he said, "Would you, you know, want to come over and you know play?" And and I was like, yeah, I think it would be a kind of a cool experience. And, and so, you know, off I went to 
to Belfast, not really knowing yeah. anything about, you know, the British elite league, but more importantly, you know, I, I didn't really, I, I heard about Belfast that it was a great city, uh, with a lot of history and, uh, um, you know, when I got there, like I was blown away at, you know, the fan support. Uh, the city was incredible. The people uh, uh, were some of the best people I ever met in my life. And uh, it was an absolute incredible uh, experience. And, uh, you know, there was no better way for me to finish my career than to experience, you know, the, the British elite league and, um, the, you know, the history of it, you know, they've been, that league's been around since, you know, the forties after I believe it was world war two when a lot of Canadian soldiers, uh, met British gals and, uh, you know, ended up uh, marrying these girls and living in the UK and then starting this incredible, uh, hockey league. And so, you know, it was kind of cool to, you know, to be, to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, the, the Odyssey uh, was such a fun place to play every night. And, you know, we had incredible fans and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, and then traveling around the UK and playing, you know, Coventry and Basingstoke and, you know, these, these you know, these, these kind of, these kind of plays. I had seven points one night in uh, Basingstoke. So it was, uh, you know, that was a fun, that was one of the games I remember, but uh, I, I'll never forget the first game that I played in, in Belfast. And, you know, I was, I hadn't played, I hadn't played a game. I believe in, geez, it had to be six, almost nine months. I hadn't done anything. I hadn't put my skates on and, uh, you know, fly over to Belfast. I, I was like, I was so fat and overweight too. Like I was, I was 225 pounds when I got to Belfast, you know? Wow. And, uh, you know, I hadn't played a game, like I said, in a long time. And uh, I show up and I get eight points the first night. And uh, I beat up Freddie Adoya twice or Freddie Adoya's brother twice, yeah. you know, in, in that game. So, um, and it was awesome. You know, I played with Ed Courtney and, and Curtis Huppy, which – you know, a couple of guys that kicked around the minor leagues uh, in North America and they were great players. And, uh, you know, we really developed the chemistry right, right from the first game. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of great, I had a lot of great teammates there too, you know, George, Georgie Iwata and, uh, you know, Sean Skihar and, you know, Todd Kalman, you know, so we, we, we had a lot of fun that year. It was a, uh, it was enjoyable. Uh, you know, it was an enjoyable time. It's it's good to hear you, that you have good memories from from the place. Um, I think I, mm -hmm. I think Ash, Ash wants to ask you about what you thought about the level of the game. Well, I I would compare it to uh, you know, let's face it, the hockey wasn't very good. You know, <laughs> you know, overall, you know, compared to what I was playing. You know, you like you said, I went from. <laughs> the Olympic games, you know, playing with guys like Mario Lemieux and Joe Sackick and Steve Eiserman, and, you know, Marty Brodeur to, uh, you know, to Belfast, but, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the, 
the, I would say the level was the, you know, like good, really good senior triple a hockey here in, in Canada. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, I, the British so. elite, the British elite league is where hockey players go to die. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously when you came, we, the league had only really just, it was in its early years of, of that kind of professional outfit called the elite league. It used to be called the super league. But we've past few years, um, the standard has gone up, unfortunately. Uh, it's not just about fighting and uh, getting bums on seats. It's actually the product. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I fully agree with what you said when you came, but we, we've improved slightly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think I think the really cool thing about the British Elite League is that, you know, you have to have six British players on yes. every team. And so, you know, a lot of those young British hockey players, you know, have really started to develop. You know, and they have a national team, you know, Great Britain has a national team. And, you know, I played with a guy, Colin Shields, who, you know, was a great hockey player. You know, uh, Mark Levers, you know, was another guy that that played on our team in, in Belfast. And then we had some young guys as well, you know, and, you know, Mark Morrison, uh, who was a uh, born and raised Belfast kid. Uh, uh Who's the other guy? Graham, Graham, Graham Walton. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, there was, there was, I thought it was great that we had some, some young, you know, kids that, that uh, were from, uh, and then, you know, you go around the league and, you know, uh, played against Tony hand, you know, the Wayne Gretzky of uh, Scotland, you know, so, you know, um, so yeah, there was. I really enjoyed sort of the history, you know, uh, you know, uh, playing in Sheffield, you know, was awesome. Playing in Nottingham uh, was great, you know, great buildings, uh, great fans, you know. And we went to the, you know, we went to the final four that year, and we lost to uh, uh, Newcastle, you know. So it was a great experience. Ten thousand people in the stands. That's, uh, you know, that's that's pretty cool. And I love that that each team sort of had their own section, you know, and they all, yeah, that that, that was kind of cool it's a, to, to. It's a great week, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, bringing it back then for for yourself, obviously you've you brought it up how the Coventry fans, yeah, there was that love hate relationship, shall we say? Um, mm-hmm. There was one night in particular, all stands out to us. Uh, one of the games at our place. Um, Instant in the penalty box, shall we say. What yeah. happened from your perspective? We've heard fans from our side tell us their stories, but we want to hear it from your side. Mm-hmm. What happened that you remember? Well, you know, I always felt that we as hockey players should be able to go into the stands just once. <laughs> in our, and, and, you know, show all these tough guys who are, you know, sitting in the stand yelling, you know, horrible things at us. We should be able to go up there and, you know, sort of clean house one time. And I think that would that would end all of that. Well, the boss um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm a very intense guy. I'm an intense competitor. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I've made it no secret 
that the refereeing in the British Elite League was, let's just say, substandard. And uh, there was a particular referee that uh, that sort of had it out for me while I was there. And he was refing that particular game, I believe. And, uh, and I think just my frustration of that whole sort of situation kind of boiled over. And then, you know, obviously, um, like I said, you know, there was, there was, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to be a tough guy when you don't have to drop your gloves. Right. And so, you know, uh, and I can't remember who the guy was, but he, he, he had been beaking me, you know, uh, for a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to get at him and, uh, luckily for him, you know, uh, he was very well protected. Otherwise I, I don't know what, I, I don't know what, I, what would have happened. So, but like I said, um, you know, I think after that incident, the next time we went into your building, it was completely sold out. Yeah. I remember. So, it was so I did, so I did my job. Yeah. I helped the Coventry. I had to help the Coventry blaze make a lot of money on that particular <laughs> night. So I was, I was going to mention that for you. You, you literally, after that incident, you you put some more money in the Coventry Blaze bank account. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> uh, but what what I did notice at the final four weekend, because obviously we gave you some stick when you next played against us, you skated round and clapped the, the whole arena, and you actually gave the Blaze fans a wave, uh, and we clapped you off. So I I feel like we ended on some good terms. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, for sure. Yeah, Brilliant. yeah. You know, I, I think. Uh, um, and, and that's what I, I, I thought was really cool was, uh, how much the fans really understood the game, you know, and, uh, um, you know, that was a kind of a cool scene at the end of, uh, at, at the end of that, that, uh, final four weekend was, uh, you know, um, paying tribute to, you know, the fans because, um, you know, I was on a I was on a, a Zoom sort of conference yesterday, and we were talking about hockey. And you know, um, without the fans, you know, there is no hockey. And uh, you know, without you guys buying tickets and buying jerseys and hockey cards and you know, NHL 2021 video games, you know, there 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 is no you know there is no us. And so. Um, you know, I always sort of had a love-hate relationship with uh, with the fans, but you know, uh, I always had a tremendous amount of respect for you know for the fans and and really uh, understand the importance and significance of you know the fans in the game. And so, uh, you know, uh, it was fun to sort of put the British Elite League on the map for you know, for one year and, and, uh, you know, playing over there was, like I said, you know, the hockey wasn't the greatest, but the life experience was, you know, second to none. Uh, it was, it was, it was great to have you for you. Yeah. After the, uh, that playoff weekend then, and finishing with Belfast, uh, a season elsewhere, then you ended up on a professional tryout with Calgary. 
um, in September 2009. Um, few mm-hmm. pre-season games, few goals, um, penalty shot, the whole fan base chanting your name. But then you subsequently hung up the skates end of September 2009. Was it the dream to hang up back in Calgary where it all began? No, that wasn't the intention at the beginning. You know, um, I didn't want to retire as a suspended player. And so, you know, I went through the process of sort of getting myself in shape. And, you know, I was I was newly sober at the time, too. And so, you know, uh, I just I just want to get reinstated. And, you know, at the end of the reinstatement, you know, the, the flames called me and said, you know, would you like to come to training camp? And I was like, sure, I'm in great shape and I feel good and, and all that. And so. You know, that was kind of, like I said, the cherry on top of the Sunday was to be able to go back to Calgary and, and uh, you know, participate in training camp. And then, you know, scoring the shootout winner in uh, uh, in overtime was pretty special. Oh, definitely. Anyone scoring a shootout winner, you got to love, but doing it in an NHL <laughs> game. Well, you know, the thing, the, the thing was, was there, you know, there was no shootouts when I was playing. So, you know, it was kind of a a different kind of experience for sure. But, uh, and I was really good on breakaways. So <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't miss too many breakaways. So. No, we definitely seen that in the elite league as well. <laughs> a few mm-hmm. years before. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, then I'm going to fire across to Ross now for, I think the final question we've got for you today. Okay. Yeah. Final question. Um, so we've asked all our previous of the players and guests, uh, what, their top six would be, um, you know, I can imagine yours being quite some star-studied players. Uh, but what would your top six be um, along the point of your career? So mm-hmm. one netminder, two defensemen, three forwards. Okay. So it'll be Gretzky, Lemieux, Sakic. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Average. <laughs> yeah. Al, Al McInnes and Ray Bork. And then in net, I'd have to go with. Jeez. Too many to choose from. <laughs> yeah. I would. It's it's a toss up between Mike Vernon and Patrick Awa, would be oh. my top six. I mean, wow. as an Avalanche fan, I'd have to say uh, Patrick Law. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Two Avalanche players, well, three if you include Boric, but yeah, I'll take that. So Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I played with Ray in the Olympics in 98. Uh, we were actually roommates and uh, just an awesome guy. And then I played with Al McInnes in, in Calgary. Um, and then, you know, played with Mario at the Olympics in 2002. And, you know, obviously Gretz, Gretzky was, you know, always a favorite of mine. And uh, and then Joe Sackick, who I got to play with in Colorado, you know, it was a lot of fun to, you know, play with a guy with that much skill and talent. And, you know, he's amazing, amazing, amazing guy. Great one of the shot. best, one of the best wrist shots. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was fun watching him in practice. I, I loved watching him shoot pucks in, in practice. What a lineup. 
What an absolute, that's just unreal. That's the best line <laughs> we've had in any recording so far, and it's going to take yeah. a hell of a lot to yeah. change that. Well, I was thinking of putting Ed Courtney on that line, but, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, Ed, Ed is very famous for having a, a little bit of a, a hissy fit and chucking his sticks on the ice. So that's yeah, I was there. I was there. <laughs> I, had a front, I had a front row seat to that one. I bet you. I bet you were encouraging him, weren't you? Uh, oh yeah, I was. I was egging. I was egging him on. I was actually handing him shit to throw on the ice. <laughs> yeah, but it was. You know, I have to say, you know that uh, one of my best hockey experiences was playing over in in the UK. You know, I like I said, uh, you know they. What, what really fascinated me the most was, you know, I was I was newly sober, like only a few months sober when I arrived in in Belfast, and uh, on uh, on weekends I would go to the Giants Causeway, and I would just walk for hours and hours and hours and hours and. You know, just be in awe of, you know, the the beauty and the ruggedness of, you know, the north coast of, of Ireland. It was, you know, it, it was just a really special place. And, uh, you know, and we had lots of company. We had lots of people that came over from Canada and, and we would always take them to the Giants Causeway because it's just a magical, you know, place. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge golf guy. Like I played 140 rounds of golf this summer. Okay. And, uh, you know, Royal Port Rush was like right there too. So it was kind of, uh, awesome to see, you know, to see that as well. So, you know, and then just a beautiful part of the, you know, part of the world that, uh, you know, really has a special place in my heart. You know, the fans of Belfast, you know, the guys that I got to play with and, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a special time for sure. And I have, I have amazing, amazing memories, including the night in Coventry. So. (laughs) (laughs) And what a way to end this conversation on that night in Coventry. Brilliant. Um, I've personally got no more questions this evening. Um, I'm just going to do a quick round of everyone else. So, Danny, have you got anything yourself now? No, just thank you for coming on, Theo. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, no problem. No problem. I always love uh, talking to uh, people from the UK. So, Brilliant. Ross, anything from yourself, buddy? No, just thanks for your time. It's uh, very much appreciated and it's been fantastic listening to your stories and Find out more about you. It's been brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So, are, are they going to play hockey over there this year? At the minute, it's no. There's talk yeah. of something potentially in February. Um, okay. It's, it's still talk. Um, there's, then they're saying if nothing in February, they're looking for next season. Um, yeah. It's so. Are, are you guys in lock? Are you guys in lockdown there or what? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Okay. Not Where a full lockdown, anyway. Yeah, not a full yeah. lockdown. We can still go out and do bits, but it's not mm-hmm. normal, if the phrase. Yeah, yeah that's too bad. Yeah. Too Any bad. questions for yourself, Scott? Um, 
just a quick one for you. Obviously, I've followed you on Twitter for a while now, and I see what you do with Theo Fleury Enterprises and all the, the work you're doing to help people. Uh, mm-hmm. So I just wanted to, I need to give that a little plug. And if anyone kind of can take advice off yourself, then then please do it as well, because uh, what you're doing is great. Yeah, well, I would have never thought that this would be what I was doing post-hockey career, but, uh, you know, it's probably uh, more gratifying doing this work than, you know, when I was playing playing hockey, you know, and, uh, you know, so many people struggle with mental health issues and addiction issues and, you know, all that stuff. So it's it's kind of... you know, awesome that, uh, you know, I can be there and help people sort of navigate their way through, uh, you know, life's challenges because I've, I've faced a lot of challenges. I faced a lot of adversity in my life and, you know, been able to sort of come out on the other end. And so, you know, they always say, whatever you get, you got to give it away, you know, because, uh, what's the use of going through, you know, difficult times if you're not gonna, you know, help other people. And so, you know, like I said, I'm very blessed and fortunate to, um, you know, be able to do this kind of work now that, uh, you know, now that my hockey career is over. Brilliant. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. And on that note then, and echoing everything else that the guys have said, I can't thank you enough for your time today, Theo. It's been brilliant. It's been a great insight. We've laughed. That top line you've got, wow, they're probably still in the Sunday Cup now. <laughs> we wish you nothing but the best for the future uh, that is all for today's episode of the third period podcast stay safe and we hope we'll hopefully be back in an ice rink watching the game in the near future thanks for listening to the third period podcast we hope you enjoyed the show if you've got anything you want to say to us find us on facebook maybe join in the next episode as always check out new for all your custom sportswear needs Go!